0: I'm going to uh, read a passage of scripture um, out of Acts chapter 2. If you turn there, this is verse 46, 47. If you don't have a Bible, grab your phone and you can go to the Free You Version app. And if you don't have that, then you can obviously follow along on the screen. But would love for you to follow along with God's word. Acts chapter 2, verse 46. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Psalm 84, verse 10, better is one day in your courts than a thousand days elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. I want to preach uh, from the subject, let the church grow. Let the church grow. Last week, I preached, let the church pray. Tonight, I want to preach, let the church grow. And um, I do want to say up front that this is not, you know, a a normal message in the sense of uh, really all of 2019, I have been preaching to you, to your soul, to your heart, and, uh, you know, from, from uh, a battle-born to uh, it's better than you think. It's, all, it's really been about you and building your faith. This message is going to be a little more challenging because it's really going to push you out into your world. And so uh, this isn't something I, I, I preach very often. I think I've done a message like this once in the 14 months of our church, and I'm going to do it right now. And it's not something I do often, but I think every once in a while we just have to be stirred again to believe God to grow our church and to believe God to use us as a part of growing the church, amen? So it's not just good music or good preaching, but it's the people of God bringing their world to church. That's really how lives are changed. So let the church grow. Father, speak now. Thank you for the house of God and thank you for the power of the gathering. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Amen and amen. Jesus said in Matthew 16, I will build my church. I will build my church. It is the only thing that Jesus said that he is building. I will build my church. And the church is not a building, but Jesus is building his church. So, what is the church? The church is a Greek word that's called ecclesia or ecclesia, and it literally means a gathering of people called out from their homes, called out from behind their laptops, come on, called out from behind YouTube church and live stream (laughs) and Facebook Live and podcasts, amen. (laughs) Amen. And it's being called out of their homes to a public place to worship and to gather together. So we believe in all that stuff. We provide free podcasts every Monday of the messages. We provide free uh, YouTube of the video. But there's something powerful about the church. The church is the gathering of the people of God together in a public space, in a public place. So we are the people of God. We are a part of the church, but we become the church when we gather. The church, the gathering, the assembly is God's idea designed by Jesus to be a place of worship, encouragement, preaching, community service, miracles, and hope. Let Let me just say this right off the bat, that the gathering on a Sunday, yes, we do everything we can to make it beautiful, excellent, and wonderful for people who do not know Jesus to come in and receive Jesus Christ as Lord and to join this body, but... The church, first and foremost, is a gathering of the believers to come together with other believers and lift up their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So the church is God's plan A. He does not have a plan B, and he is building his church. For the last 20 years, I have refused to be a church critic, a church cynic, and a church hater. I just refuse to be it. And I've got a lot of, I've I've had a lot of experiences where I could have been. Right? We've all, probably a lot of us in this room, if you've lived long enough, you've been hurt by a church, you've been hurt by an experience, but I have just refused. I've I've been born and raised in church. I'm 35, but the last 20 years of serving Jesus, I've just refused to be a church critic. I've refused to be a church cynic. I've refused to be a church hater. I'm going to be a church builder. Better a chef than a food critic. Better a movie producer than a movie critic. Better a professional athlete than a sports analyst. (laughs) And better a church builder than a church critic. Oh, it's easy to just stand just distant away enough from a church and just throw stones at it. Oh, but boy, there's something powerful about when you get in it. And you become a part of the solution and not just part of pointing out the problem. And by the way, there, the, the gift of discernment is not the gift of obvious. The, the fact that you can see issues with the church does not make you discerning or prophetic. And the true power, come on somebody, the true power is when you decide to jump in it. Yup, the church is not perfect. Yup, the church has its warts and its wrinkles and, and it needs Holy Ghost Botox like I do. I've been looking at this right here going, Jesus, be a Botox in the name of Jesus. Amen. <laughs> but I, but I, I got these eyes, man. I'm like, Lord, help me. But it, it's one thing to just throw stones. It's another thing to jump in it with all the mess and say, you know what? I'm going to be a part of making the church beautiful and brilliant and awesome and ready For the second coming of Jesus, I'm not just going to throw stones at it and talk about the issues that I've had or the issues that I see, but rather I want to be a part of what makes the church beautiful. And so I've been a church builder for the last 20 years and I will continue to be because I want to be a part of what Jesus is building. And that's not just, I haven't been a pastor for 20 years, but I've been a builder for 20 years and I'm committed to the church. Let me just give you a few things about let the church grow. Uh, Number one. You got to come to church. <laughs> Sounds obvious, huh? You just got to show up. Verse 46, they worshiped together daily, consistently. Now, we don't hold church services here every day, but there was a, there was a principle in Acts chapter two, verse 46. Church was a priority and church was consistent and church was a disciplined part of their routine. And here's why I say this. Here's why I say show up. Because the average American who says they have a church. Now, again, I'm not talking about Christians who have rejected the church. And there are those people, those people who say, you know what? I've been burned by the church. I don't like the church. I love Jesus, but I hate the church. And they, and, and, you know, for some of them, they really have good reason for that. But they, I'm not talking about that group of people. I'm talking about people in America, the average American Christian who says they have a church and they have a pastor. That person attends church on average once a month. I can always tell that person, they walk up to me, they go, hey, Pastor (laughs) Jabez, Jobin, (laughs) Chazek, (laughs) Javez, I've heard it all. I'm like, you don't come often enough, do you? (laughs) Uh, They come come once a month. Listen, we only gather 52 times a year. Only come 12. (laughs) There is something about the discipline of coming to church. Amen. And you can say amen. You're here, so you can say amen. You, no one knows if you missed last week. You could just, you could act self righteous right now. Amen. I'm telling you, I, he's a loser, so he never come. My God. The average American gives 2% of their income away, not the 10th, not the tithe, which is God's minimum. <laughs> they give two percent I think there's an issue here because I I don't know if you could be undisciplined about God's house and expect to be disciplined in serving God in other areas so I, I said it like this you have to show up to grow up these guys show up look, look at Hebrews ten twenty-five. this is not a time this is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit. Notice the word habit. Because you're either in a habit of coming to church or you're in a habit of missing church. Because we need each other. Turn to someone around you say, I need you. Turn to one more person and say, I even need you. Tell them that I even need you. Turn to one more person and say, I need you too. Look at this, look at this. In fact, we should come together even more frequently eager to encourage and urge other people onward as we anticipate that day dawning. What's that day? It's the second coming of Christ. The writer of Hebrews says, as as the days grow darker, the church ought to grow brighter. As the world is getting crazier and crazier, and boy, it is. We must be more and more committed to God's house and gathering together. Why? To encourage each other because we need each other. Because we want to push each other onward and upward into the people's call. We need each other. This is so important. I love that it says we need each other because that to me says partnership. And I use that word a lot. I use the word partnership a lot because I think it's really important. Because partnership means that yes, you need the church. But no, the church needs you. We need each other. We need each other's gifts. We need each other's passion. I need your voice. I need your amen. I need your clap. I need your shout. I need your presence in the house. I need need you here and you need to be here. There's this this partnership between God's people and God's man. There's this thing that happens when the people of God and the church of God, they come in together in unity. We need each other. It's not just that you need me because there's other preachers in this city, but it's that There's this connection that happens between that's my church, that's my preacher, that's my pastor, and we are making a commitment to being in God's house. Now, see, in the South, um, you know, Tennessee, Arkansas, Mississippi, and I got to be there last month, I I loved it, it was beautiful, Louisiana, you know, Arkansas, whatever, uh, Alabama, all that. You know, 90% of Alabama goes to church, 90%. So when you go to the South, they call it the Bible Belt because it's where all the, you know. But, but here's the deal. When you go to the South, you got to look at people at church and go, hey, just because you come to church doesn't mean you're a Christian. <laughs> just because grandma was a Christian and great-granddaddy was a Christian and your auntie's a minister and your uncle's an apostle does not mean you're a Christian, Right? Cause in the South, everybody's something and you, and you have to tell church people they're not saved. But on the West coast, the best coast. Oh man, I feel like on the, on the best coast. I mean the West coast, you got to tell Christians, you still got to go to church. Cause on the West coast, we're free, man. We're hippies. You know, bro, I'm just like a part of the body of Christ, man. Like, I just kind of wake up on Sunday. I just let Holy Spirit lead me. Like, like, I like to fellowship at a lot of different churches. And just like, you know, there's just so, like, I'm just like a part of the church, man. I'm just the church, bro. And you float from church to church speaking in tongues, but you have no accountability. You have nobody that can get in your face and say, you're crazy. Yeah. You have nobody in your life that can pray for you. You have nobody in your life that can encourage you. And so you, fro- you float from place to place. And I believe there's just something powerful. So I'm just telling West Coast Christians, I know we're free. And I know we just love the Lord. And I know we just, but there's just something about saying, that's my church. That's my pastor. That's where I'm committed. And, and, and here's the commitment. If I'm home, I'm here if I'm home, I'm here. If, I, if I'm home, I'm here. It doesn't mean that there aren't soccer tournaments. It doesn't mean that you don't go on vacation. It doesn't mean that there aren't family reunions, but it does mean if I'm home, I'm in God's house. And out of 52 Sundays, the vast majority of those, I'm going to be in God's house, worshiping God, lifting up the name of Jesus. So, so, so sure. You can be a Christian and not go to church. But you could also be a zebra and leave your herd and get eaten by lions. You're still a zebra. (laughs) Like, at least for a little bit. (laughs) Oh, but boy, you're safer in the pack. You're safer in the herd. Oh, boy, there's there's something about what we just did. Where you can just find somebody and say, pray for me. I'm going through it. I need a miracle. I just need, I just need encouragement. I just, I just need to know. I just need to hear somebody's voice. I just need to feel a hand laid on me. And I just need to know I'm not alone in this. There's just something powerful about the gathering. My pastor says it like this. If you make church optional, don't be surprised when your children find God unnecessary. I just think there's... It's just so easy to make church optional, but you know what? We're not. You're not going to miss school tomorrow. You're not going to miss work tomorrow. I find it amazing the one drop of rain, and it's like, where did everybody go? There's like a cloud, the size of a man's hand, like ten miles away. You're like, man, in my rain, I better just stay home. I, you know, these desert drivers don't know how to drive in the rain. I better just. It's like what? If it's, not, if it's not a big enough deal for you to miss work on Monday, it shouldn't be a big enough deal for you to miss church on Sunday. You don't call your boss and go, you know what? I think I smelt rain. I can't come to work today. I got to You don't call your boss and say, you know, there's a game on, so I can't go to work. No, you. This isn't for you. It's for these people who are watching on YouTube right now calling you out. <laughs> Worshiping on a Monday in your bed. So my commitment is simple. If I'm here, I'm home. I mean, excuse me. Yes. If I'm home, I'm here. Or if I'm here, I'm home. Because it's my home, my church. If, if I'm home, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm in God's house. You know, even just today, a, a couple from Austin, Texas was here visiting uh, while they're on vacation. This came to church. I just thought, what a great what a great way to live. Yeah. yeah, they're on vacation, but they came to church. They must have lost big last night, I guess. They needed, <laughs> they needed ministry. Amen. No, I, I'm just kidding. I'm teasing. They just came to church. There's just something powerful about it. Another, another friend of mine, he's here on, for work. He's from Miami. Came to church this morning. Just something about, man, when I'm home, I'm in church. And even when I go on vacation, I might just find a great church. Yeah. Just to worship the Lord while I'm on vacation. There's this, I'm just telling you, make God's house a priority. Hey, dads, make God's house a priority. Drag your kids to church. Force your, if they want to eat your food, if they want to lay in your, in your bed, under your roof, because that is yours. You paid for it. That teenager didn't pay for it. You paid for it. Huh. If they want to feel the benefits of your air conditioning, it's yours. Then they can worship with you at your church. Oh, jabin! they're going to throw a fit. They're going to get mad. They're going to... Whatever. Buy you some Apple AirPods. Put those things in. Drive to church. That teenager in the back. you just driving. They love the Lord. I could just tell they love the Lord. What is that? Tongues back there? Just... You just bring your family. It's a powerful principle. Number uh, now, okay, that was the bad news. Let me okay, that was I was challenging you. Let me let me build your faith now. Number two. Uh, I, I'm just telling you, come to church. Number two, come expect it. Come with expectation. Come ready for a move of God. I love what it says. With great joy and generosity, all the while. Praising God. Wow, could those be words that describe City Light? May that always be the description of City Light. There is great joy in the house, there is great generosity in the house. There is great expectation in the house. There is praise in the house. I never want City Light to be described as cold or cliquish or, or, or indifferent or lethargic or whatever. I want, I want church to be full of joy, full of excitement, leaning into God's word, pressing into God's presence. I want there to be a praise and a worship in the house where people can come in And they may not understand everything, but they do feel something. That's what I want. I want the phrase of our church to be anything can happen, and it probably will. Who knows what's going to happen? Who knows who's going to receive a miracle? Who knows who's going to be healed? Who knows who's going to get saved? Who knows the the power of one moment in God's house? I love this. Psalm 26, proclaim aloud your praise. Proclaiming aloud your praise. You got to say it. You don't just think it. How awkward would that worship service be? Great are you, Lord, with no words. Everyone just stands there reading the lyrics. Worship team just up here like. It's powerful, man. No, no, no. Proclaiming aloud. Praise that is unsaid is not praise. Praise. There's something about when the church of Jesus Christ begins to praise, telling all of your wonderful deeds, Lord, I love the house where you live, the place where your glory dwells. There's nothing special about this building. There's nothing sacred about this address. Tomorrow you could walk into this building and you wouldn't feel nothing. It'd just be another building. But when the people of God gather, it becomes his house. It becomes the place where his glory dwells. It becomes sacred. It becomes beautiful. It becomes amazing. It becomes the house of God. This is just a building in a strip mall six days a week. But on Sunday, the people of God gather. The people of God begin to worship. The people of God, the word of God begins preached. And all of a sudden, this little building becomes the house of God. Something powerful about it. Psalm 84 verse 10, better is one day in your courts than a thousand days elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper. I would rather be a janitor in God's house than dwell in the tents of the wicked, than have the presidential suite at the top of the wind. Here's why, here's why, because that that would be hard to say, but here's why you can say it, because the Lord God is a sun and shield. In other words, when I come to church, sun represents light, it represents revelation, it represents creativity. When I come to church, the light of God begins to shine on me, I start getting God ideas. I start getting Holy Ghost strategies for my life. I start, the revelation, the creativity begins to flow. Hope begins to flow. Something begins to happen when I get in God's house. The sun begins to shine upon my life. The Lord bestows favor and honor. Where? In God's house. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. In God's house. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. David said something supernatural happens in God's house. And every time you come to church, you can believe God for a better is one day moment. A moment where the spirit of God could do something incredible. Now, why is it? It happens Because of the power of agreement. It happens because of the power of the gathering. Matthew 18, truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Jesus is literally saying, whatever you say yes to, I'll say yes to. Whatever you say no to, I'll say no to. But here's where it happens. It happens in the gathering. Verse nine, again, I truly tell you, if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done For them by my Father in heaven. Stop for one second. Jesus is not saying you cannot pray alone. He's not saying that. But He is saying there's a special grace when you gather. You should pray alone. You should pray in your car tomorrow on your way to work. You should have your own personal relationship with Christ. I talk about that a lot. But there is something supernatural about when two or three gather in the name of Jesus. For where two or three gather in my name, there I will be with them. There's something powerful. When we gather under the banner and under the name of Jesus, supernatural things happen. So theologians talk about the law of first mention. It basically means the first time you see something in Scripture... Take note of it because there's probably, some, there's probably a hidden key in there for every other time you see it. So the first offering you see or the first time you see the word grace or the first time you see worship or whatever. And you could, you could always look back to that and go, okay, there's something here and I'm going to see a theme of this throughout the rest of Scripture. So I want to look at the first church The first gathering in scripture and it's here in Exodus 25, the people of God have been delivered from Egypt. It's a sign of salvation. They've crossed over the Red Sea, a sign of baptism. Hello, this is all right here. They're now wandering in the wilderness, sanctification, on their way to their promised land, the fullness of your destiny. Everything in Israel is just a picture of what happens in the church. And we can learn from their mistakes so we don't die in our process and we actually inherit everything God has for us amen, amen. but while notice this they're saved they're baptized they have the cloud by, by day and the fire by night filled with the Holy Spirit they're eating the manna the word of God all of this is happening but now they need a corporate place to worship Look what God says. God says, build me a house. Exodus 25, eight, let them make me a sanctuary. So it's one thing to be saved, water baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost in the word. You're, You're a believer. But now you gotta build God a sanctuary. Now, and here's the whole picture of the church. Here's the whole picture of the church. A place that I may dwell in their midst. Can you put that back up? A place where I could dwell in their midst. What is the church about? Is the church about just having a place for people to use their gifts? No, it's a place where God can dwell. Is the, play, is, is the church just a place for us to hang out? No, it's a place where God can dwell. Is the church just something good to do so I can you know, put my kids in a good you know, environment for an hour a week? No, 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 it's a place for God to dwell. All of those other things are great benefits, but the number one reason we do church, come on somebody, is we build God a place. In, in this context, it was a tent because they were still moving. So they built God a tent. David would come on the scene and he would build God a temple. And now today, we gather together. For one reason, not to stroke my ego, not just to have big crowds, not just to say we're awesome or we're growing or no. We do this to build God a place where he can dwell, can you put it up one more time, plural, in their midst. See, all those other things you can do privately. You can give your life to Jesus. I guess you could just baptize yourself, go dunk yourself in your neighbor's pool. You can get filled with the Holy Ghost by yourself. You can be in the word, but there's something about the corporate gathering powerful it's powerful it's awesome and that's why we gather because god dwells in our midst not just in my midst so god had a priority and it was meeting with his people that's still god's priority so we never come to church just to tick off a religious box just to do a good thing we come to church to sing to celebrate to encourage others to give to receive and to believe together Lastly, don't come alone. Let the church grow. Don't come alone. And the Lord added to their number daily. Wow. It's the will of God for the church, that the church would grow. And how does it happen? Again, it happens by partnership. It happens when you bring your world together to church. Luke chapter five, verse 18, some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him into Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof. Oh, I love this. They took off some tiles. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Notice this, seeing their faith, whose faith? The men's faith, the friend's faith. The people who brought the man, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, when we bring our friends and our faith to the house of God, God will talk to your friends. I bring my faith and I bring my friends and God will talk to them. And God will honor your faith and save your friends. Young man, your sins are forgiven. The Bible never said he had faith. God honored the faith of God's people. And when you bring your friends to church, God will honor your faith. God will see your faith and say to your friend. And I'm telling you, this is the secret to longevity in a church. This is the secret to loving your church. When you bring your faith, when you bring your friends, and yes, even when you bring your finances, it connects you to the heart of the church. It really does. Because when you bring your faith and your friends, you know, no one's ever done this, so I'm not picking on anybody. No one's ever met with me personally and said, hey, I'm leaving the church because I'm not getting fed. I've never, no one's ever said that. But I will say this, you'll never have that issue If you're bringing your faith and your friends to church. Okay, here's why. Because you're going to be so focused and so excited to see them receive. You're just going to be hyped. Have you ever told a friend about a restaurant and you're just bragging about it? Yo, you got to go, it's fire. You got to go, it's amazing. You got to go, it's so good. Oh my God, you got to go. I've been doing that with Juan's Flaming Fajitas lately. I'm like, you got to go to Juan's, it's fire. Now listen, you're going to smell like fajitas after. But you got to go. It's amazing. They bring the fajitas out. They light them on fire. It's a whole show. Oh my God, it's so good. The chips and like, ah. And you, and you bring your friends, right? And, a, and you're freaking out, right? Because you don't want it to be bad. So, so at first it's like, oh my God, it's so good. Oh my God, it's the best. Then when they say yes to coming, you're like, yo, so it's like usually amazing. Like, I really think it's going to be awesome. <laughs> and they start looking over the menu. You're like, well, I've only had this, but honestly, I really think it's great. I mean, I, because you got to start giving yourself a little bit of mercy, right? kind of happens in church. You're like, oh my God, you got to come to my church. Oh my God, the preacher's so good. Oh my God, the worship's so awesome. And then as they, when they finally say us, you're like, you know, like usually it's uh, the bomb. Like, uh, like usually David's funny. Like we're going to find out. But I mean, like, and all of a sudden you're on Holy Ghost alert and the food comes to the, to the table, right? And, the, and they make their little fajita and you're just like, <laughs> put a little bit of that salt on it. Just one crack of pepper. Just a little bit of pepper. Just a little bit of pepper. A little more sour cream. A little more sour Just got to make a burger. And they take that bite and they love it. You don't even care about your food. You're so hyped. For it. It's the bomb, right? It's so good, right? It's so great. It's fire, right? It's so good, right? Eat one more chip. It's so good. You forgot how good they are. Eat one more chip. Margaritas. Ah, water. Ah. You're so... You're so invested. When you bring your world to church and they laugh, you laugh. It's good, right? It's good, right? (laughs) They worship, you worship. Oh, thank you, Jesus. They like it. They start crying, you start crying. They start laughing, you start laughing. They start smiling, you start smiling because you're so invested. And, And you're not talking about, I didn't get fed. You're talking about, oh my God, my friends came. And God saw my faith. And God spoke to them. Did God speak to you? I, I really don't even care. I'm just glad he talked to my friend because that's what it was all about. And the same thing happens when your finances, when you bring your finances to God's house, you're more invested. You're more excited about what God's doing. You're more proud of the work the church is doing because you know you're a part of it. It's just how it works. And so, you know, I'll meet people who leave the church. And, and, you know, I was joking about it this morning. I was probably a little too brash, but because I didn't eat before I preached. But so I was probably too, but, you know, people will, you know, they'll come and they, they don't serve. They don't get involved. They don't, they don't give. They don't go to small group. They don't, they don't do anything. And then after a few months, they go, you know, we're, we're leaving the church. And it's like, you weren't here. You know what I mean? Like, can I say that graciously? I didn't say it graciously this morning. Can I say it graciously? Like, you weren't really... But you know what's amazing? You'll see a person, they tithe, they serve, they're in small group, they're making friends. Like, they're making friends. Like, I'm going to make myself fit in this church. Like, there's a little group of people, hey, how y'all doing? My name's Shavin. I want to be your friend. I'm cool. You just make yourself. You go to a small group on Monday, don't really like it, you find a new one on Tuesday. That one's kind of whack. You go Wednesday, but you're gonna find your group. You're gonna find your bit. and you just you just get involved. And you know what's crazy? That person loves the church. Every week it's a new Instagram post. Oh my god, the word's did that. That word changed me. I've never been the safe. It's like, it wasn't that good. Like every week, Tori posts about my preaching like I am Bishop Jakes. My pastor had a word from God. He heard from heaven. It's like he's a he's like he's Elijah of old. I'm like, Tori, it was just like a prayer message. Like it wasn't. But she's so invested. I could get up here and preach about peanut butter jelly. She's like, that's a man of God. It's, it's not, it's not me. It's her. And a lot, and a lot of you do that. I'm not, I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is, it's not that I'm so awesome. It's not that it's no, but it's honestly, it's that you're, you invest to the point that every win becomes your win. That it really becomes, this is my church. It's my church. I'm in. And there's just something powerful about it. And, you know, I'm so invested. Like, like every, every win up here is my win. Every time the worship team, I'm just like, that's my win. Because for, for them to win, I win. When I watched JR Friday night and he had that thing downtown, that was my win. I told Shannon, I said, I want to pay for the next one. I just want to be a part of it. I don't want to go because I'm too old, but I just want to pay for it. I don't want to be that guy, you know, like. They are had this awesome event downtown Friday. Like I don't want to be that guy. Like, hey guys, how you doing? got my skinny jeans on. Like I don't want to be that guy, so I'm not gonna go. But I was just like, I just want to be a part of it because that win. It, it felt like my win. I basically told my friends I was like, yeah, we had this young adult event uh, Friday night, uh, reaching a lot of people. Whatever. No, I didn't say that, but you know what I mean. It felt like my win. Oh, it's Bree singing. I'm like, that's my little sister. Like I taught her everything she knows. Oh my God, what do you want to do? I, I haven't taught her anything. My point is, it's like my win. I'm like, I've been teaching Sam guitar since he was 10. I just, yeah, right. It's so not true. My point is, because I'm so invested in it, I was so proud of it. I got, I got more out of it looking at Instagram stories than, my point is, when you invest in God's house. When you bring your faith and your friends and your finances, every win of the church becomes your win, and even the things that aren't even really wins become massive wins to you because it's just there's just something about it, and and it literally does become it becomes your church. It's amazing, and and that's how the church is built. Let the church grow. So I wrote this question down. How does the church grow? The church grows when the preacher teaches and the preacher preaches and the pastor shepherds the flock. But then he partners with people and people bring their faith and their friends. And there's a partnership and it equals the Lord added to their number daily. It equals there's not enough room to contain the people. It equals growth. So why do we wanna grow? Do we wanna grow because we want a bigger church and we wanna say we're big? No. So we can have more money? No. We wanna grow because life is very short. We wanna grow because eternity is long. We wanna grow because according to Jesus, he is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. And he's the only way to get to the Father. So I had this question burning in my heart. What if you were the only Christian in our city? How radical would you be? What if we were the only church in our city? How committed would we be? Come on up, Zach. How how. How heart and soul would we go into God's house? But you know what? We, we know that there's other Christians and we know that the crossing's down the road and you got Bishop Horman up there and you got, and, you, and, and so we can fall into, well, someone else will do it. And I just refuse that spirit. I thank God for every other church in town, but I can't answer for that. I can only answer for the mandate on our life and our church. And there is a mandate on our church to grow. And I believe there's a mandate on our music and I believe there's a mandate on my message and I believe there's a mandate on our church and we need to reach more people. But it's not gonna happen if the, if the church gets comfortable and cute and lazy and lethargic and, and, and we start believing, well, you know, someone else will do it. Instead, we, we carry our load and say, I'll do it. I'll be a part of it. I'm committed. And when it's just a bunch of, you know, it's amazing, like even about our giving, like we just got a bunch of normal people giving. We don't have a big baller paying for this. Well, we have a heavenly father paying for it. That's, but we don't have some guy that's just writing checks to make this happen. It's just a whole bunch of normal people just giving their tithes, believing God, doing their part. We're doing our part. And it's amazing. Just a whole bunch of normal people doing what they can. And we're able to do so much. It's pretty cool. So let the church grow. Make God's house a commitment. Come with expectation and bring a friend. Bring your faith. And yes, as the Holy Spirit leads you, bring your finances. I had a person this week, I had 15 meetings this week. It's crazy. I was meeting with a lot of people this week and loved every minute of it. Had so many great meetings. And one guy said, I have to meet with you. I said, Man, I, got, I really don't can't this week. I got so many other meetings he said, I have to, I have to bring you something. I said, All right, we'll come to the church. So he comes to the church and he basically like throws a check at me. And I go, Can I look at it? He goes, Yeah, yeah, sure, whatever. So I look at it and I go, What is it? And he goes, It's my tithe. He goes, I've never tithed. And I said, Oh, cool he goes I don't know what you're putting in the water but like I just want to be a part of this and he goes I've never wanted to do that I'm never given like that And he goes I just need you to take this from me or I'm going to spend it <laughs> I said that's real talk right there and he goes but I just I want to be a part just I just want to I just want to play my part just just special it's just special what's happening but we but we have to know it's special we have to believe it's special we have to do our part in it i had a friend here again i was telling you this morning from miami and he was here one year ago for the same award show and he was working that show and one year ago he walked into church and we were in that middle school and there was literally four people in the like in the in the cafeteria like and i'm leading worship right And I'm like, hey, before we worship, just shake somebody's hand. Let them know you're friendly, you know. And uh, he was on the front row. And so he turns around to shake hands and there's just nobody there. And he just goes, (laughs) he turns back around. And in that moment, I just went, I hate my life. I hate people. I hate the church. Ah, The church. ah." You You know, I'm just like, I just, I just like, Jabin you're an idiot what are you doing and you know it kind of filled in maybe a hundred people showed up for that service I don't know how many came and and he walked in this morning and he said Jabin I just can't believe it look at what God has done in a year and God used that friend from Miami to shake this preacher up and go wow you're right dang dang Wow. Whoa. And I'm just grateful. And I, you know, I never want to get up here and have to be the cheerleader. This is awesome, right? Like I never want to be that guy. (laughs) This is amazing, right? You know, I never want to be that. (laughs) But every once in a while, as the pastor, you just gotta get up and go, this really is amazing. I'm grateful to be a part. I'm grateful you're a part. Let's all play our part. And uh, and a message like this I know is challenging and some of you are really at that point where God's still doing something in you. But some of you are ready for that faith nudge and it's time for God to do something through you. And And I'm challenging those people. In Jesus' name, Father, I thank you for the house, for the gathering place, for the assembly, for the place that we leave our homes and we come into a public place to lift up the name of Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for what it represents, a place where you can dwell with your people. I pray that in everything we do as a church, you would always be the guest of honor. You would always be the person we care about most. And you would always feel welcome in this church. May the doors of City Light always be open, not only to our city, but to the Holy Spirit. This is your house. And we're grateful for it.